Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. As always, wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you guys are listening to us on, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for all the messages you've sent the show's way, all of the questions, all of the feedback that you've given. Really appreciate all of you sticking through uh, year after year on the show, whether you've been here since the beginning, whether you just joined us, welcome. And thank you for joining us here for a very topical episode especially by the time this one gets released uh we're going to be talking about keeping players kind of mentally sharp throughout the season and and keeping our players focused and hungry and positive and making sure that they're ready to handle a really long season we, even at the high school level we know that the season is really long for our players you know we're, we're, we're teenagers we're with kids and it's hard to keep them through the whole season and keep them on track and keep them mentally going positive, sharp and all that good stuff. And that's what we're going to get into today. So hopefully as a listener, this is something that, that you really get into because I know by the time this comes out, you'll be in the middle of your season and you might be wanting some ideas about how to keep players mentally sharp and keep your team on track and focused as it hits the home stretch of the season. So that's what we're going to get in here today. My guest today is the head boys basketball coach at Cranston High School West. Coach James Sweeney is joining us here today. Coach, appreciate you being able to carve out some time to talk to us today. How are things going? Very good, Coach. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have a great conversation about some important stuff. And, you know, it's something that affects every single coach in America. We're all talking about stuff that we, we dialogue with other coaches throughout the year. And I think it's such an important topic. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it. Absolutely, Coach. Let's start with the introduction of you and your journey. Uh, this this great game of basketball. Where Where is the game of basketball taking you? Where is your coaching journey taking you? And, and ultimately, how did you end up at Cranston High School West? Yeah, so it's it's honestly been a very interesting path to get to where I'm at. Um, I'm 27 years old, so I am in my second year as the head varsity coach at Cranston West, which is the school that I attended and graduated from in mm -hmm. 2014. This is my seventh year with the program. So I was hired as the junior varsity coach at 20 years old, and it was a dream come true. And it was kind of a job that came up and was unexpected. And I had started coaching young. I, I didn't play at Cranston West. I didn't play in high school, um, which is kind of like a different path for a lot of these coaches that I play against who played were high level high school uh, players, high level college players. And I'm just sitting there saying, well, I was the kid that played, you know, rec travel and CYO as a kid. And I just wasn't, you know, big enough, strong enough, athletic enough to, mm. to, to have that career as a player, but I love the game. And I started coaching very young. And I think, you know, for me, it's always been a battle on my journey of dealing with, there's a lot of people out there that feel, well, because you didn't play at the high level, you can't teach it. And I would say I'm, I'm on the complete other side where I know a lot of high level players that cannot teach, that cannot coach. So I've used the time that I've lost as a player to learn the game from a coaching standpoint and learning about culture and learning about building relationships and obviously learning and building the X's and O's. And I have a fantastic staff around me with great experience to help when it comes to that. So I'm younger. I'm probably one of the, if not the youngest varsity coach in the state of Rhode Island. 
Um, but I have a lot of experience for being younger. Seven years in high school at the JV and varsity level to me is a long time. And we've seen yeah. a lot of things happen over those years. And I've learned a lot from it. And I have a long way to go, um, but it's been an interesting path. I had two head coaches that were um, above me when I was a junior varsity coach. And one of them was there for one year and coach Matt Fontaine. And he was there and he left. He moved away with his family and just started a different path in life. So it was very unexpected, to be honest with you, when the job reopened again. And he gave me that vote of confidence to go forward. I spoke to the players who had supported me. And I said, okay, like, you know, I, I want to do it. I'm like, how ready am I? I don't know. Um, but, you know, I was fortunate enough to get to get the job. Um, you know, the city of Cranston believed in me and gave me the opportunity. And, you know, I absolutely love it. It's the, the most important thing in my life. We put, invest a lot of time into it. Um, I'm very proud to be the head coach of Cranston West and to be able to coach at the same school I went to, it's just, it's home. I'm three minutes down the street. You know, it's the neighborhood, the community I grew up with, all the players that I know, I've known watching them grow up. And it's, it's been a fun ride and hopefully a long way to go. Um, but it's been an interesting path to get here, but I'm very proud of it. So let me ask you, because you had a, that, that unique path, what was the process like for you to, uh, learn learn the game from the coaching side since you didn't come from uh you know that that traditional playing background what how did you kind of get up to speed and 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 absorb all the all the information you needed to feel like you 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 were ready to coach so i i was very fortunate to be surrounded with some phenomenal youth coaches so even in my elementary and middle school days playing travel cyo rec league whatever it is i just i felt like they helped me build such a foundation of how to play the game and I just love the way that they communicated with me. I love the relationships that we built. And a lot of those guys, when I played baseball as well, a lot of the coaches that I had growing up were just the reason I wanted to get into it. And when my playing days came to an end, I said, well, I want to be involved because, you know, still play at the Y at LA Fitness, at the, the playground. Like, still love to play the yeah, game. Always playing, yeah. <laughs> um, of course. And I'm like, well, I want to stay around it. And I want to help. I want to give back to the guys that gave so much to me. And that was really the purpose I got into coaching. I started volunteering. I started coaching in the rec league. I started coaching in CYO at probably 15, 16 years old, you know, just volunteer my time as an assistant. Then at 18, I got my own rec league team. I thought I was like coaching the NBA. I thought it was amazing, mm -hmm. you know, being that young and having that opportunity. Um, but a lot of those guys just, you know, motivated me to want to be like them. And once I got into it, because I'm a very big competitor and I love building the relationships with the kids and watching them grow and watching them learn there's just nothing like it. When you put a lot of time invested into a kid and you see them get better, you see them smile, have fun, enjoy the game like I did, um, that's the purpose of why I do it. And I just feel like the people that I had in my life, the mentors and role models that I had were the reason that got me to where I'm at. Um, and then it just became work ethic. I watched how hard they worked at. I watched how much time they put into it. And then I said to myself, well, if I'm going to be anything in a coaching standpoint, I have to work extremely hard. I have to you know, learn as much as I possibly can. So I surrounded myself with good people, good, good quality human beings and good quality basketball people that really helped me along the way. Yeah, I, I, I can't stress that enough. And, and you're, a, you're a testament to that, having that coaching network or that coaching family that you can come to. It's, I, I, I don't know how you could do this job kind of in isolation or by yourself to have resources and people to talk to and have people that you trust around you to build you up and build your knowledge base man that that is that's invaluable so that's awesome and i'm sure there's so many of those people you still keep in contact with today 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so many of them that still support me and support our program and come and watch and, and still people I rely on. Like mm-hmm. I love having people that I coach with or people that I played for come to a game and they're the first person I call after the game because they're, they're fresh eyes. You know, like I see the kids every day. Our assistant coaches see the kids every day. I want to see from them. What do they see? Are they seeing the energy? Are they seeing the passion? Are they seeing what we're trying to do from a culture standpoint? Yeah. And it's good to hear from them from an honest perspective. Hey, you're doing well on this side, but you're not on the other. Like, I want to hear that. Yeah. Those are the people I trust and I believe in who tell me if something's going well or something's not. And that's how you learn from it. I'm yeah. open to constructive criticism any day. We're all learning. We're all trying to get better. We're all trying to get to a level of you know, as good as we could possibly get. And if we're not willing to learn from others, then we're just going to stay the way we're at. And I never want to be that way. And, and absolutely. No, I a hundred percent agree. You know that it's, it's sometimes it's tough. I know at the beginning to take that constructive criticism, but I it think is. one of the best things, you know, to, to always keep in mind. And I know I've said this on here before is if we're ultimately trying to do what's best for kids and best for, for players, you know, we got to be willing to put our ego aside uh, a little bit or a lot in order to do whatever those things are. So it's, it's awesome to have those people that not only can give you that criticism, but I, I will do it in a way, you know, where they want what's best for you and what's best for the program as well. So. That's and awesome. I learned, I learned young and I'm still learning it now is, you know, recognize who you take the criticism from and where it comes from. You got to rely on oh, yeah. people you that know you, because if you're listening to people that don't know you, they don't know what you're about. They don't know why you do it. They don't know what you do in practice. Then it, it, it beats you up. And I've been there, especially being a younger coach. You hear the noise. You hear the people that say, well, you shouldn't be there. You don't deserve the job. It should be somebody else. You shouldn't be doing this, that, and the other thing. And at some point, you have to accept the fact that that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. And the majority of people that come up to you after a game and shake your hand and say, you're doing a great job, probably the same people that in the stands are saying you're not. And if you let that beat you up and if you let that be a part of your process and your development, you're never going to grow. And yeah. Again, I respect the people of others and what they think, and it's my job to do the best I can. But if I can lay my head on a pillow every night knowing we're doing everything we can for our student-athletes, then that's the best job we can do. 100%. You you brought up about culture, so let me ask you about, yeah. about culture because that's always, a, that's always a, a, a talking point amongst coaches, and, and, and it's a big, big source of pride is talking about culture. So I wanted to ask you, how, you, how would you describe – the culture at uh, Cranston High School West. And what was the process of getting it built up to where you wanted it to be? Yeah, so we we go by the model of toughness and togetherness. And we kind of based that off of the feedback we got from our players. And again, being around the program for seven years, I've gotten to be able to see the ups and downs of the program and what makes it good and what makes it bad. And a lot of conversations from what our players had told us of who they want to be and who they think they were, because the reality is the culture starts and ends with the players. As much as we enforce it as, as coaches and we hold them to a standard, it's their program. I make it very clear to them that even though I'm the coach here, this is for them. They are going to decide how Cranston West basketball is going to be, how we're going to play, how we're going to be viewed, the type of team that we're going to be, the personality that we have, the work ethic that we have, the passion, energy, et cetera. That's going to be with them. And as we're going to support them in any way possible. And they were the ones who really made it clear they wanted to be a tough, connected group. And we have a lot of togetherness in our program. We have a lot of kids that care a lot about each other. And I think probably one of the most impressive things about our group this year is how much they care about not only each other, but they truly care about the program. 
Mm-hmm. And like, it's not a senior's responsibility to really care what's going to happen next year or beyond, but they genuinely do. They work with the freshmen, they work with the JV, they build the relationships. They genuinely care that they're leaving a mark that when they leave the program, it's going to continue to get better. And I think that goes to show the culture that we're trying to install. And everything we do is, is just a togetherness, connected mindset of, you know, it's, it's, it's we, not me. And the toughness aspect comes a lot more mentally and emotionally than it does physically. Obviously, we want to be tough on the court. We want to be physical. Yeah. But we have to be the toughest team mentally and emotionally every day. And it's not just about being tougher than the other team, being tough than we were the day before, getting through the holiday break, getting through that morning practice after Christmas Day, where a lot of guys are like, oh, man, do I want to be here? I can tell you, this group this year came in firing more than I've ever seen at a morning practice right. after Christmas Day. They were ready to go because they love each other and they love the game. And they've embraced that toughness and togetherness culture that I hope people are starting to see. Uh, but it's definitely starting to leave its mark on the younger guys. We're starting to see it with our JV and our freshmen, even in our lower levels with travel and, and, and middle school. We've involved them a lot running youth camps in the summer. And we promote it in our gym. We put it up on banners, toughness and togetherness. We put it on our gear. And that's just what we want Cranston West to be known as. But it's our players who are the ones that are pushing it. And they're representing our program very well. Yeah, when when you got the players who who believe, and you got the players who have bought in, oh, man, and and they play for each other, uh, and and I know you know this, how much easier, uh, and how much more enjoyable it makes our job when you know that they're playing playing for each other and they they want success for each other, man, it it just makes it so much easier to 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 get everyone on board and get them to listen and pay attention because they want to be successful not just for themselves but for their teammates and for the whole program itself. Now you hit it on the head with with the enjoyability. There's not, and obviously from a coaching standpoint, we love it, but the, you can't deny your emotional feeling when you have certain groups. We have a group this year that you wake up every morning, can't wait to get to the gym. You can't wait to get the practice. You can't wait to, and it has nothing to do with our, we have a good team. Don't get me wrong. It, it's nothing to do with talent. It's the type of personality that we have. And it's senior led, senior driven, but there's no egos. There's no, you know, mega personalities in terms of, oh, I got to get my points. I got to get my stats. They don't care about that. They care about, they care just as much about seeing their teammates succeed than seeing themselves succeed. And there's a lot of sacrifice that they've done this year, you know, because we have eight seniors. So there's only so much playing time to come around. And we've had a clear meeting with all of them and what our expectations were. And they've handled it so well and so impressive that I just think there's such a good feel around the team. And I think when you have that, when you have that togetherness, that gives you a chance to win. When it gets tough at the end of the game, when you're playing your fourth game of four games in a week and you're getting to the end of the game and you're tired, it's the mental and emotional just willpower of pushing each other. So when you have your teammate come up to say, hey, you got it, man, go hit this shot, go get a stop. That just puts you to another level in this sport. No matter what the level is, I don't care if it's NBA, college, high school, or rec, when you have your teammates pushing you and motivating you, there's no better feeling in the world than that when you have people around you that actually genuinely love you and care about you. And that's the culture that we want to build. And these kids are doing, like I said, a phenomenal job of it. Yeah, that, that's that's great to hear. I mean, I, I can just tell by tell by your voice and the way you're talking about it. Like I, I can hear the excitement. Awesome. So that, that, that's great. Um, so you kind of talked about and, and alluded to, you know, the, the long season that, of course, uh, that this is, especially going through New Year's and breaks and everything like that. So as we kind of think about the, the topic of, you know, keeping our players mentally sharp throughout the whole season, let me, let me ask you about the, in your experience, 
how do you keep players positive and how do you keep them like focused throughout such a long season, which we know the basketball season is. And in, in, in your experience, what are kind of the keys or, or the most important parts to make sure that they're mentally positive and sharp and, and on track throughout a long season? Something I learned young as a coach is you have to be genuine with your players. You have to be real. They're old enough and they're smart enough to figure out what's fake and what's real. When you get into the gym with a smile on your face and clapping and, hey, how you doing? And getting everybody into it. And our staff does a fantastic job program-wide of bringing positive energy every single day, even on days when it's very difficult to do it. And I've made it very clear to our staff that we have to lead by example. Even when we have days, we have long days at work while we're grinding through it. And even, you know, even as a coach, you have those down days of, oh, man, I got to get through practice. I'm not feeling great. I had a tough day at home, whatever it is. It's our responsibility to lead by example and to get them in a good mental state to play. So we play a ton of music at practice. We're always clapping. We're always doing a ton of stuff from an energy perspective to be positive with our players. And I think when we set that example with each other, they start to, to do it uh, with their teammates. And I just think it's just showing them love and showing them that you care every single day and, you know, giving them a hug. Hey, how you doing? How's school going? Everything okay at home? How was Christmas? Like it doesn't have to be forced. It doesn't have to be fake and it doesn't have to be all the time because sometimes you can drown out a kid. Hey, how you doing? Everything okay? Like it's sometimes kids just want to come and play and get away yeah. from, but you do want to check in, give them a hug. Hey, what's up, man? Like how, you know, did you get through that test today? Like it's just building the relationships with them and knowing who they are and that they feel like, Hey, I can go to practice. I'm comfortable. I'm loose. And I know coach has my back. I know he's going to push me and he's going to get on me and ride me like no tomorrow when I turn the ball over. But at the same time, he's going to give me a hug and end of practice and tell him that I love him. And when you have that type of, of culture, I think that's where a lot of positivity gets bred into our players. And that's where I think the mental side, they feel good coming in every day. They don't feel like, Oh, we're going to go to practice and I'm going to get my ass chewed off from coach. And, you know, I'm going to get yelled at for this, or I'm going to do this, or, you know, we're going to have to run for, for 30 minutes because somebody kicked or whatever it is. And I've seen teams like that. I've seen players that dread coming in every day. And that's always been my number one goal is to give the best experience we can possibly have. And if kids want to be there every single day and they're excited to practice, they're excited to play, they're excited to be around the people in the gym, then to me, that's where success starts. Then when you have that, you'll start to get the players and you'll start to build and start to win. But it has to start with the culture and, and making sure that they are mentally into it because it's four months of a grind. It's six days a week. It's film sessions. It's scouting. It's practicing. It's playing. It's There's so much that goes into it that a lot of people don't get when a kid goes to school from 7.30 to 2 p.m. and it gets on a 2.30 bus for an hour bus ride and gets home at 10 o'clock. Well, when does he do his homework? When does he eat? When does he sleep? And you do that three times a week and you do it for six weeks. That's a mental grind and toll on a kid. So you got to keep life positive. You got to push energy into them, make sure that they feel like they belong, feel like that they matter. And that there's a reason that they're in our program. And I do think we do a pretty good job of that. And one of the things that, that you hit on that I think is really, really important. And I know it's hard sometimes is as, as you mentioned about coaches keeping their positivity up. Cause you know, we, you know, we get in situations where, you know, we get really, you know, we can get really frustrated about maybe the way that okay. we played the night before, or, you know, we, we got players who are, you know, maybe they, they're, they're underperforming, or like you said, you got other stuff that that's kind of on your mind, or you just feel like things are sluggish. And like for, for you as a coach, 
how do you kind of make sure that you yourself are always like positive and bringing energy and not letting things, you know, from the previous game or whatever kind of linger? How do you kind of make sure that you yourself are kind of emotionally in check? You know, I, I think the experience that I've gained and probably one of the things that I've grown the most as a coach is having perspective, having a true understanding of what it's like to be in the shoes of a player, but also having short-term and long-term mindset of what your team, what you want your team to be. I'm a very emotional and passionate coach. I'm one of those guys who's going to roam the sidelines. I'm going to yell. I'm going to clap. I'm going to be a cheerleader like no tomorrow. I'll do it very respectfully, but I root on my guys. And I bring that every single day. And it is tough when you have those days where it's just, it beats you up. And I've let, as a younger coach, my emotions take over in terms of I would get down about things. If I see that I can't get through to a player, if I see a player not giving everything that I want from them, or if we're just, you know, I get an email from a parent in the morning and then I, I get to deal with administration in the afternoon. And then I got to go to practice and a kid walks in late and you just start to accumulate all those negative things and they can beat you up. And I really let that bother me when I was a younger coach, but as I've grown and, and gotten the experience, it's just changed my perspective of, understanding of what role I'm in and I have control and influence over how we're going to be in our program. If I'm going to let everything bother me from an outside perspective, then we're going to play that way. We're going to play scared. We're going to play slow. We're going to play flat because it starts with me. I have to be mentally tough enough to understand, Hey, you have a responsibility to these 12 or 13 young men every single day mm -hmm. for whether it's one hour two hours three hours or if it's the entire day like it's going to be today that's my risk that's what i signed up to be i signed up to be that mentor and role model and person that they can rely on and i looked at myself in the mirror after some practices over the years and said man if i was a player would i have gone up to me as a coach and asked for help tonight and some nights i said to myself no i wouldn't have because of of my own um, attitude or my own mood or whatever. And I just learned to not take out what's going on in my life on them. I think a lot of coaches and I'm a teacher as well. A lot of teachers do that. It can be hard and it can be overwhelming, but we have a responsibility and duty to our kids. And it's our responsibility to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not having a great day, but I got to give it to my guys today for the next two hours. I got to battle through it. Cause we ask the same of them. When yeah, we tell we them they're having a bad day, they're struggling in life. They're struggling at home. Hey, you know what? We need you though tonight. Do it for your teammates. Do it for each other. Do it for our program. So if I'm telling them to do it, then I better do it. And I better do it more than anybody else. So I just think coaches got to keep that perspective of the law. Like you got to pick your spots. Is, is reaming them out at 9 a.m. on December 26th that they don't care, is that going to have a positive effect for the rest of the season? No, it's not. Have an understanding and perspective of we have these days and we got to get through it. And sometimes you just got to sit them down and have a conversation. Hey, guys, disappointed in our effort today. We didn't play well enough. We got to get better. We need better leadership. This is how we're going to do it. I'm a solution-driven coach. I can't stand coaches who make excuses and blame it. Oh, we don't have this. We don't do that. We don't do this. Either make it better and find a solution or get another job. It drives me crazy because we push on our kids. No excuses. No excuses. Play the game. Don't worry about the officials. Don't worry about the stands. Don't worry about – have the tunnel vision. So we get to do the same thing as coaches. And I think we just need to make sure that we hold ourselves accountable the same way we hold them accountable. And if we're preaching one thing to them, but we're not doing it on our end, the kids see that. That's when you have to be real and you have to be genuine. Or they'll see right through it and you'll never be connected and you'll never have a team of togetherness.
I think that's so important what you mentioned about, you know, the things that we expect out of our players. We absolutely have to be showing ourselves, especially if we're asking teenagers, right? We're asking kids to, you know, be mentally strong and and, and put away whatever happened previously, the, the previous day or in class that day. Like, if we can't do it and we're the adults and we're the role models, I, I, how can we expect our players to to do it, especially if they're the ones looking up at us as an example? 100%. How do 100%. you use... Uh, you kind of mentioned how in practice, right, you, you kind of check in with players. But I wanted to ask you about the process of kind of checking up mentally on your players. And, and what it, what it, how do you kind of gauge the temperature of your team, engage the temperature of your players to kind of check in with them and make sure that things yep. are going well and, and doing well? Is it is it the the check-ins bef- before practice and they're warming up? Is there more to it? What 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 is that like? I think it's it's honestly it's you have to know your personnel, you have to know your players. It, the foundation starts with building relationships. And like I said, I've been in the program for seven years. I grew up, born, raised, and will stay in this community as long as I'm welcomed here. Um, I absolutely love love the city of Cranston living in our community. So I have a good understanding and a lot of background knowledge of our players and background knowledge of their parents and their families and where they come from. And and I know a lot of their personalities. And I know certain kids that I have to check in on daily and make sure, hey, is everything going on okay at home? Do you need anything? Do you need a ride? you need support? You need... And then there's some kids who I know I could check in a couple of times a week, once a week, whatever the case may be. Um, it's kind of a, a individual-based situation when it comes to how you do the check-in. I might pull a player aside inside the coach's room by myself and have a a good conversation about what's going on outside of basketball. Some kids I might just pull around with stretching. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Everything good? Oh, I'm ready for practice. Okay. Awesome. You know, and then my assistant coaches do a fantastic job of it too. And that's, that's some of the stuff I've learned from coaches I've had in the past engage with your players in downtime of practice. Don't just sit there and, you know, go sit on the bleacher or go sit on your phone or go sit with your clipboard taking notes. You're taking your stretching. We're a two minute drink break. We're in between drills. That's a great opportunity for not just me, but our entire staff to go and talk to our players and just have general conversation. I never realized as a young coach how important general conversation was to to being with the kid. You learn so much about them that you never realized. Things that they like to do outside of basketball, things that they do at home, jobs that they have, uh, friends that they have, events that they went to. And then you start to build that dialogue with the player. And then once you have that background and understanding of where they come from, what they do outside of the sport, that's where the check-ins can really be very important and come in. But you kind of have to have a feel, you know, and I know our kids so well, but they also are still kids. They do a great job of hiding things. You know, I'll hear information outside of our team. Hey, you know, so-and-so is going through a tough time. You know, so-and-so is having issues with their family in class, with the girlfriend, with this, that, the other thing. And I'd say, wow, I, I didn't notice that. He, he's having great practices. But then you're like, well, you know what? That kid's really battling through it. Like, think about the credit that kid gets for, you know, just coming out and practicing hard every single day and not letting that stuff bother him. But as a coach, you have to have the perspective of, but you know it is bothering him because he's a kid. He's emotional. He's passionate. You know, he cares about things outside of basketball. So that's where, hey, listen, I heard some stuff going on. Just know that I'm here from you. If you need anything, please come and come and talk to me. It's just simple stuff like that. That is where you grow the bond with the player. And I think keeps them mentally sharp and mentally happy and positive, knowing when they walk into the gym, they're with people that have their back, not just on the court, but off of it. I think it's I think it's crucial to any successful basketball program. What what you said about those check ins and those conversations you have and like like even in a water break man it, it it's so true because it made me think of a time when 
uh, a player during a water break, you know, were having a general conversation and they, they just mentioned how, you know, one of their parents had gotten into a real bad car accident. I would have had no idea unless they had mentioned right. it to me. And then, you know, to see them like battle through practice and still, you know, work as hard as they did. And I wouldn't have known that anything was different, but like you mentioned, right, the credit to some of these kids and the things that they go through or the things that they do that, you know, if you don't have those conversations, you, you know, you, you'll have no idea. And, and then just for them to even be willing to share that with me just kind of made me think as a coach, like how important those relationships are where a player even feels comfortable saying something like that to me. It's like, but if you don't have those conversations, like you said, you'll never know. And there's so much that you'll miss, whether it's major things like that, or even something fun, like a player getting like a new pet, or maybe they got an A on a test or something. Right. Yeah. But those are the things by having that conversation, they'll remember that, right. They'll remember that their coach asked about that or talked about that with them. And so much trust building comes from there. I think we, and it's, it's a society thing. It's not just coaching. Um, but I think we neglect the fact of how important it is to check in on people, but how many people are just dying to have a conversation with someone and tell them something, whether it's positive or negative, like just someone say, Hey coach, I got a new car coach. I got a new door coach. I got an A on my test. Coach. Like just being able to be in that relationship in that position with them, like, how good that, I mean, how, how excited do you get in life? Like I do too. Like, Hey man, I can't wait to call somebody. Hey, we just want to, we want a big game tonight. Like I feel great. I can't believe we did it. We won at the buzzer. Like when you get to express that with, with your, with your words and your emotions to anybody, it just makes you feel so much better. And I'm an elementary school teacher. I do phys ed during the day. And the biggest thing we see is how important it is to, that those little kids want to tell you everything. Hey, Mr. Sweeney, you're not going to believe what I got for Christmas. I got this, that, and yeah. Like, it just matters so much to them that they'll, you, you look them in the eye and you'll listen to them and smile. Say, hey, that's awesome. I hope you, you know, you deserve it. Whatever you say. Like, those little things are so important. And sometimes we neglect it in high school because, ah, they're kids. They're 16, 17, 18 years old. They're fine mentally. We don't have to worry about that. But we don't realize, you know, between anxiety and depression and mental health and illness and all the stuff that go, is going on, we just think kids are immune to it mm -hmm. because they put a smile on their face and say, hey, you know, well, the kid's the best athlete in the school. You know, he does this. You know, what, what does he have anything to be upset about? Well, have you talked to him? Have you listened to him? Maybe deep down there's stuff going on with them. So I just think that regular conversation of just being just looking someone in the eye and listening to them and you know just listening to how proud they are of themselves or if they want to vent about situations how much better that's going to make them feel by you just being the person who's there for them to listen and again i think that's something that we all could do a better job of in life but i think it's such a major major responsibility we have as adults and especially as coaches yeah 100 percent uh really well said so along with keeping players mentally sharp, of course, there's the basketball side to it where players mentally are still learning the game and trying to make sure that they can go throughout a whole season, uh, continuing to learn, continuing to prepare for their opponents, knowing how to execute mentally on the X's and O's side. So on that side of things, how do you make sure that your players are, are staying sharp mentally with the X's and O's and the basketball stuff, as well as continuing to learn and continuing to grow throughout the year? Yep. Yep. And and we, we probably have this conversation every single day as a coaching staff, every single day, because every group is different. There are things that I could do last year that I can't do this year. There were things I couldn't do last year that I can do this year, whether it's from an X's and O's standpoint, or even from a teaching standpoint, we have a very self-motivated focus group. Okay. When it comes to our varsity team, 
there are things that we can dive into that are complex from an X's and O's standpoint that they are able to handle and execute. Not every group is like that, but we have, we use the word simplicity every single day. How can we make life simple for our players? That's our responsibility. And when people think simple, they think, they think basic and, and I don't want to use the word dumb, but like, it's not saying that our concepts are, are basic, but it's just making sure that we get to the point. What, it, what are we asking from our players? If we have a, a center and his responsibility is to run net to net, rebound the basketball, pass to an outlet, make his layups, like just keep their life simple. What do we, when they, when we take them off the bench and we say, Hey, you're checking into the game. How can we make sure that that player is fully prepared for the position that they're going to be in and what we're asking them to do? And I think it starts with developing their skill level for sure. I think what we learned the last couple of years as a varsity staff is if we don't develop skill-wise, you're never going to be able to take the X's and O's to the next level. Because if you can't execute, you can you can draw up the best play in the world. If you don't have the skills from the guys to do it, it's not going to happen. And I think we've really hit on the development of skill as the year goes on. But we have a binder and we have a system where we're going to put a certain package of plays or a package of philosophy in each week. And we're trying to build it so when we get to the end of the season, end of January, early, mid-February, that now we've fully implemented our system. But it takes a step-by-step-by-step approach. If you throw everything out there, this isn't, you know, I, I watched like I watched Dan Hurley a ton, even though I'm a huge Providence College guy. But I see a lot of the stuff that he ran for UConn in the NCAA tournament. You sit back and say, man, we could never do that stuff. But they didn't just throw the book at those guys. He took it one part at a time, and they grew as the season went on. And that's our job from an X's and O's standpoint is how can we develop step one into step two into step three? And we can't move on to the next thing mm-hmm. until we master what we're trying to accomplish. And I think when you do that, these kids are smart. They're bought in. They're intelligent. But you got to teach them the right way. They have to understand. They have to be willing to ask questions. They have to trust you that you know you're doing the right thing for them. And they have to trust you in terms of, hey, coach, I really don't understand this. What is my responsibility on this play? And I think our players do a great job of it. We communicate with our players. I communicate with our captains every single day. And we don't have any players that are afraid to say, coach, I don't understand this. Or coach, am I supposed to do this versus this? That's the relationships we build, and that's where we can build our X's and O's every single day. But if you throw everything at them, it, it, most school, at least from my my perspective, it doesn't work. You got to go step by step, part by part, to get to where you're trying to get to. And you also have to be willing to adapt. Like there's a lot of times we come into a season, and us and our coaching staff, we sit down in July and say, "This is how we want to run offense," you know. And then six games in, we say, "Well, we're not doing this properly. We got to change it." We got to change on the fly because we got to win games. So how can we put our players into the best position possible? That's how I coach from an offensive defensive standpoint, not only scouting and personnel wise and matchups, but also what do our players do well and how can we maximize their ceiling? How can we make sure that they're doing what they're capable of doing in a confident way? And that could change on a daily basis, but you got to have kids that are focused and willing to adapt and you have to be able to trust each other. Um, to be able to grow from an X's and O's standpoint from November to to March, and and I always like to ask this question uh, to coaches. I'm always I'm always curious about the the process uh, uh, of this. And so you, as you mentioned, you you know you're you're doing a lot of scouting. You're you're out there watching a lot of a lot of film, live scouting as well. You're out there watching competition. Yeah. 
how much of that that you personally are are taking in about your opponent are you then communicating to your players and like how much can your players handle of, of all that information or how much do you have to I don't know if simplify is the best word but give them kind of like the the, the basic well, notes no. that they need 100% and and it's also keeping a perspective that it's still high school basketball they're still kids so they're learning just as much as we are we're not dealing with pros here so you do have to keep things simple I think making sure you have individual conversations you know, we've had moments like before in the classroom, before a game, we run through everything that they do. I used to put the book on a team. And then after the game, I said to myself, well, the game lasted an hour and 15 minutes. And, you know, and half the stuff I talked about in the pregame, they didn't run. They didn't run that baseline. <laughs> they didn't run that set. They didn't run that defense I saw they play the night before. So you do have to simplify. And we focused more on personnel and matchups versus more than what the other team runs. What are the tendencies? Okay, you're playing this guard who likes – you know, the two dribble pull up at the elbow. Hey, he's a catch and shoot guy. Any space he's going to and have individual conversations at practice the day before and pregame where I'll pull a, a guard aside and say, hey, this is your matchup. And we'll take it on as assistant coaches and everybody will get a matchup. All right. You know, this coach will take the guards. I'll take the bigs. We'll take the guys on the bench when they come into the game who they expect to face and, and keep it very simple in terms of who you're guarding. What's their tendencies? What makes them good? What can we take advantage of? Versus more of, hey, guys, when they call out, you know, head tap, it's going to be a double stagger into a post. The, the kids are going to get lost because it's too much information. So you got to keep it to the simple part, and you got to motivate them to win their matchups, play together on defense. Hey, you got a big matchup tonight. You got their leading scorer. This is what he's going to do. This is how he scores the basketball. This is what you need to be successful. But then it's the mental side of, hey, take on that matchup. And we've been a very good defensive team early on the season because our guys have embraced. I'm not going to let him beat me. I'm going to do my responsibility. I'm going to do my job and win that matchup, or I'm going to make sure that I have my teammates back and I'm going to help over and I'm going to take that charge and make sure that, you know, if, if he gets beat that I have his back. Um, so again, just keeping, keeping it simple in terms of what do our guys do? Well, what do their guys do? Well, how can we exploit it? How can we take advantage of it? But at the end of the day, we got to stay true to who we are. If we try to focus so much on what the other team does yeah. and not what we do, then we lose ourselves in the shuffle. And I kind of lost that a little bit. You know, getting to high school, it's like, oh, go out scouting. This is amazing. I'm taking notes. I got binders on. I got, you know, Google Sheets of players who are coming back this year, what they did against us last year. But the reality is when the ball gets tipped up, it's a team that's going to execute and the team that's not. The team that's going to make many mistakes, the team that's not. So I try to keep the focus on us as much as possible. Hey, we play our game we do what makes us good we rebound the basketball we defend the three-point line we make layups we make free throws we win games regardless of what who we're playing you know if yeah. we don't play well if we don't execute what we do well we're not going to beat anybody i could have the script on every single player in the state of rhode island but if we're shooting 40 percent the free throw line we can't make a layup it doesn't matter you know what i mean so that's where it's just you got to keep your focus on your players keep it simple but you got to use information like sometimes you can't not scout. You got to go and look at it. You got to do your matchups and, you know, you try to get as much information as you can. And it becomes a chess match. There's a lot of good coaches in this area. Um, a lot of guys have been around a long time. I'm, like I said, I'm the younger guy, so I'm the newbie. So they don't have a book on me just yet. Um, but there are guys who've done a lot of the same stuff for a long, long time and they do it really successfully. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. And I've, I've found, cause I, I agree with you. I've, I've done the information overload before, right. Where I like have like, I'm ready to give them like the 500 page, you know, book on, <laughs> on a, on a team. But I've also found the two that I, I feel like 
with teams I've done that before, they feel like that my players feel like I don't trust them or like, I don't trust that they, they can like execute and do well. Like we, I have to <laughs> over prepare them. Cause like, and I have to control everything cause I don't trust them to run what we run or do things properly. And yeah. um, I don't know if they've ever expressed that to me verbally, but I can almost tell in their body language, like, Oh, you got to give us all this. Cause you don't think like we, you don't think that we know what we're doing. And I'm like, Ooh, I, I don't know if that's the message I want to communicate <laughs> either. But we can replay it really well. There, there are times and moments before if I'm I'm in a timeout and I draw up a play, I can tell you right then and there if we're going to execute or not. I could just tell by the eyes looking at me if they are, got your coach, we're good. Or can you run that one more time? You know, the big eyes come out and you're like, oh, boy, I know that they don't get this. And, you know, they 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 don't hide their uh, their their body language very well in terms of if, they, if we know if they understand something. Or you run a drill. Hey, guys, we're going to do this, this, the other thing. We don't we don't set up. We don't show it. First guy's up. Oh, you know what you're doing? Yeah, coach, I know what I'm doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. I can tell just by looking at him. He's looking around looking for help. So you can kind of get a read from your players. It's actually pretty funny uh, to see and, and know that they know if, if they got you or if they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, When do you kind of decide as as a coach to kind of kind of put on the gas and really, really go all, all in versus having to kind of take a step back and kind of give your players a bit of a refresh or a recharge. How do you kind of balance where, when it's time to, to kind of step on it versus time to like kind of let off a little bit. You know, you kind of balance, you know, how you schedule before the season. Like I have every single day mapped out from the first day of tryouts to the state championship. And when we would practice, where we would practice, how we would practice, you know, not so much the plans, but have an idea of, Hey, all right, you know what? We have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday week, but we don't play to the following Wednesday. We might give an extra day off here. You know, like next week, we, we like I said to you before, we play next Friday, our first league game after the holiday break. So we'll practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we have three days of prep. So Tuesday might be after a couple of days off for New Year's might be, all right, we got to get a get back day. Like we got to bring it. We got to work the conditioning. We got to work defense hard. We got to work closeouts, taking charges, hustle drills, stuff like that. Because that that needs to get us back into the flow, get us back into the grind. And we have days to do it. All right, Thursday might be more of a, a prep day, a scout day, a walkthrough, jump shots, free throws, you know, make sure we're all on the same page, X and O's wise, get a little sweat in and, and keep it easy and quick. But at the same time, it's easy for me in, you know, the middle of October to say, all right, I want to take February 4th off because I yeah. think it's going to be a long week. But then we get to February 4th. It's like, oh, my God, we just lost by, you know, 15 points last night. We had 25 turnovers. We have to practice tomorrow. So you also kind of have to feel your team out. And it's funny. I had a kid this year for the first time ever. And then I said, we have we're such a great group. And it was early on. We had a tough tryout, tough week of practice. And we ended up getting an off day. Or I threw in a, a random off day in like the second week of the season. I just felt like we needed a little mental break. And, a, and a, one of our seniors had texted a coach. Thank you so much for the off day. I really needed it. I can't wait to get back to practice tomorrow. Like, and you just kind of have that feel with your players. You kind of have to read them. Like I said, we're a high energy group. These kids show up the day after Christmas dancing and jumping around and, and shooting free throws. There are 30 minutes before practice. I'm like, man, I, I've never had a group like this. So I know when we get to a Thursday night, seven o'clock practice after, after a game night and we don't play for four days and they just give me that. I can tell they're a step behind mentally, physically, and emotionally. That's where, as a coach, you kind of have to know your players and know, uh, you know what, maybe tomorrow's a film day. Maybe tomorrow's a, a you know, film and let's get some pizzas for the guys. Maybe we have an hour of shoot-around practice. Let's go out to dinner. Like, sometimes you also have that, like, you just need a team night. You need to just say, hey, let's get together. Let's not talk. Let's go bowling. Let's not talk basketball. Let's go watch a game. 
team. Let's go just do something as a group and have some fun. And I think that's where you just kind of have to have the pulse of your team. But I think that I've been a huge proponent of that. I, we do a lot of team breakfasts. We, we went to a Providence College basketball game together as a team. You know, we've gone and watched different college games. I've had them over my house. They played, you know, cornhole camp jam over the summer. We have a, you know, a spread of food. Like that, the outside of basketball stuff is so important to use as not just a team bonding, but also like a breadth of something else. Because our relationships with our players are more than just X's and O's. They're more than just our basketball team. It's our family. And we got to treat it that way. Um, so I think throughout the season, you kind of have to have a pulse as a coach. Hey, you know what? We're not practicing tonight. Let's go get, let's go get dinner. Let's go have some fun. You know, let's, let's kind of get our, our, our energy back, our legs under us. It's been a long week. You know, we just got hit with a foot of snow. We've had three days off of, of games. You know, let's just go to the gym, have some fun and do something different. So you got, you got to adjust on the fly though. Every day is different. You don't know what you're going to get in high school. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And it's I, I think that goes into the part that we kind of talked about earlier, right, about being connected with your team and just knowing them well and just being able to see exactly where it is, where it is that they need and, and, and where it is that they're at. And, you know, those days and, and you know this too, those days where they can either watch film or just kind of have that off day or do something a lot lighter is they're going to get a lot more out of that, I think, than trying to push them through a real hard practice. Like you may want to practice with them, but you're not, you, you ain't going to get anything out of them when you can just tell that they're, they're done. And then I think as a coach, you're going to get frustrated. The players are going to get burnt out and you're going to lose a lot more than if you just kind of give them that little bit of time to kind of recharge and give them that break. 100%. What about, let me ask you, um, this kind of came to mind. What about during a game? I'm curious about keeping players mentally focused. Every, every game is different. You know, you're gonna, there's going to be times, of course, you know where you're going to get up and maybe maybe uh, try and hold on to a lead. There's going to be times when you're down and trying to claw back. What, what do you kind of teach your guys about kind of staying mentally focused and sharp throughout a game, no matter kind of what the situation might be? Yeah, I mean, we try to preach next play mentality. Okay. In this sport – if, if you're going to hold your hat on a made or make or miss shot, then you're going to have a really tough time playing at this level. And, and that's in a positive and negative way. If you're going to say, hey, you know, I, I hit my last shot and I'm all focused on the fact that I hit a big shot and then you don't get the stop on the defensive end, well, then that shot didn't matter. But if you also miss a three, and it's so funny we're having this conversation because I just had this talk after the game yesterday with our players you know, we struggled from three. I mean, we were missing. We couldn't hit ocean if we fell out of a boat. But there wasn't one player on our team who didn't play defense because they missed a shot. And there's a, I gave them a lot of credit for that because there's a lot of times you can miss a shot badly. You know, you're in high school. You may hit the side of the backboard. You hit the kids in the stands. Oh, we have ball, whatever. And you jog back on defense and you try to hide. Our guys went out and, and said, no, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to take a charge. I'm going to get a steal. I'm going to make sure my guy doesn't score and I get the ball back and I get my opportunity again. And I think that's just the understanding of we have to understand the long haul of this game. And games are not won in the first, second, third quarters. They're not one with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's one at the buzzer. And trying to get them to, to trust each other, stay together, good and bad. You know, when we're up 20, 20 points, my message to our players, stay together, execute what you need to do. When we're down 20 points, stay together, execute what we need to do. The message stays the same regardless of the time and score. Um, there might be certain situations where, you know, you're trying to speed the game up, slow the game down based on up or down in that situation from the time and score perspective. But the message stays the same. Execute what you do well, do what we're asking you. And, and a, kind of a phrase I've used with my, our team all year is excel in your role. Excel in what we're asking you tonight. 
And I think that's what made our group so enjoyable this year is I have guys who play 15 minutes on Tuesday night and then they don't play Thursday night because it's any given night. So are you ready to play when your name is called? And they've done an outstanding job of that. And that's where the sacrifice comes in. And the understanding that what you did on Monday is not going to do anything for you on Wednesday, but keep your confidence good or bad. So I think just keeping the messaging the same, you know, what, what clicks with your team, what phrases, what words you use that kind of refocuses them. And like, Hey, you know what? We were up 14 points. We've got two minutes to go. And now we're only up six. Like, but what are you saying to your team? What messages can you pass along to them that hits with them to kind of refocus them? All right, we've turned the ball over three times in a row. You know, hey, let's talk about our ball handle. We're talking about, you know, what driving kit, whatever it is. It works for every single team. Um, but I think the messaging overall is the same and trying to keep them level-headed. Like I said, I'm a very emotional coach. I can, in a positive way, can affect them emotionally. I also have the effect that I can negatively affect them emotionally because I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And I've tried to, to lessen that, especially from a negative standpoint, after we make a mistake, it's more encouraging now than, you know, hands up in the air, like, Oh my God, what are you doing now? It's, hey, get the next one, get the stop, get the stop and then execute the next play. So that's where I'm trying to change. And that's where my messaging has changed um, based on the situation that you're in. And I know that could be hard because I, I know as a coach, if you wear, right, your emotions on your sleeve, you kind of instantly can want to react to something, right? Or there's something that like you, your body language or something you initially want to say, but like, it's almost like, like we, we've talked about a few times, right? As a player, you want your players to have that next play mentality. But I think as a coach, it's just yeah. as important that we do as well. Like we, we got it. We got to shake things off and, and, you know, there's stuff that obviously we're upset about or don't want to do. But I think I know, unfortunately, uh, as a coach, you know, I've said something after we've maybe given up a basket that I know we shouldn't have given up. And I, I say something that's kind of negative and I can just see the way that our players yeah. are now scared of making another mistake. And then they play real tight or they play real tense. And then of course, I guess you, you can guess what happens. They make another mistake <laughs> and then things kind of spiral from there. And I think as a coach, and it sounds like you kind of have that mentality of like having that like forgiveness and understanding that these mistakes are going to happen, but how they respond afterwards. And I, as a coach, I know that's, that's, I think still sometimes that's a bit of a hard habit for me as I kind of want to, you know, instantly react to something uh, negatively, but having to kind of bite my lip and, and just move on to the next play is, is so much better for the players. I think. I think it's, it's, this is the, one of the hardest things when, when it comes to mistakes and freedom and how long is the leash with your players, right? Because the fact of the matter is every kid is different. We see on a daily basis as coaches, the habits that they have practices and games. Okay. And this goes back to kind of, if you're a parent, you're a spectator, you're a fan, you come to a game and you see, all right, this, this kid's turned the ball over three times in a row. We're going to get somebody else in the game. Well, I know a practice we've talked about it and we're going to give them the freedom of the next play because he's our guy and, you know, we trust him, et cetera. Then someone comes into the game, makes a mistake, comes out of the game. Well, why does that kid get benched after one mistake, but the other kid had three turnovers? He doesn't. But you don't know what we see every single day. Maybe that's a mistake that has happened every single day in the last six practices. And we've made it clear, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to do this specific move. We're not going to pass this way. We're not going to dribble this way. We're not going to do you as your responsibility is to not, you're a big, don't put the ball on the floor when you get the ball inside. You, every single day you preach it. He comes in the game, puts the ball on the floor. We take him out. We're not punishing him. We're taking him out because we're going to reiterate what have we been working on and talking about. And you got to hold them accountable. So that's the balance of, all right, I'm going to let my guys, I'm pretty good at, I let 
guys go. I'm going to give them the freedom because I want to give them the confidence because I trust and believe in them. But you have to hold them accountable because at some point, if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, if they're not doing what you've asked, well, now you're hurting your team because you're not giving the guy behind him an opportunity to succeed as well. So it's trying to find that line as a coach of how long do you let them go before it's time to reel them back. And a lot of that is dependent on what you see at practice on a daily basis. And that's why it's hard. And I've kind of removed this from my own self. When I go scout a game or watch a game, you know, I don't say anything. Even if my coaches, we'll talk about like personnel and what's going on. But there's a lot of coaches going to watch games like, oh, what's this guy doing? Why is he playing this kid? What do, you, yeah. what do you know about why is he playing? Were you at practice yesterday? Have you been with me for the last two and a half years in the summer? With the same key, you don't know. So it's like, but as a as a coach, it it's hard because when a player comes to you and say, "Well, coach, like you know, Johnny's making the same mistake as Joey, but you know, Johnny stays in the game and Joey doesn't." But that's where your culture wins. That's yeah. where that wins over and say, "Hey, do you trust me? I trust you. This is what we're asking from you. Excel in your role. Do your job." And when they start to hold themselves accountable, and they start to hold each other accountable you don't have those conversations anymore. And and like, like I said, with my group this year, they're so self-motivated that they are pushing each other, even when they don't realize it, they're pushing each other. And it's not competitive in terms of, I want to take your minutes versus my minutes. It's all, he's doing his job and I want to make sure I do mine because we're teammates and we want to work together. And they're pushing each other defensively to work hard. And hey, I just took out, you know, number zero came out of the game and he's a great defensive player. I'm replacing him. I got to make sure I go out there and I D up just like he did. So that's where you kind of you kind of push each other in that standpoint. Um, but it is funny as a coach, like it, it is difficult. How long is the leash with certain guys, with certain things, with certain with everything? And that's just you got to kind of trust your guys, trust your gut, trust your staff, and and go with it. That's just sports. Yeah, you're you're making me you're giving me flashbacks. I think of of, of <laughs> players who I've talked to who've you know maybe sometimes made you know the but like you're right though who may maybe have made the same mistake or or making the wrong you know decision and they made that wrong decision in practice you know consecutively and then they do it in a game and you're just like pull them out because like they know like you know that they know better and they know better but you have another you know another player who may make a mistake but maybe that's you know the they they weren't making that mistake in practice, right? Or, or or this is the first time you've kind of seen them do that, and you're like, well, maybe that was just you know a a, a one time thing, and maybe if I correct them, or maybe they can self correct, and maybe they do, or maybe they don't. But like you said, it's it's that culture piece, and and where the players understand, you know, how you know everybody isn't going to be treated treated the same, but they're going to be treated fairly, right? And based on yeah. the things that you see, but it's it's sometimes it's 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 a it's a tough decision, I know. Sometimes it is tough, but like you mentioned, right? Uh, people from the outside, they they don't know, and and trying to you know ignore all that noise, I think, is really important. And it sounds like that's something you're doing a lot better at, maybe than you were before. Yep, absolutely. And you know, I think it's really difficult. Like the whole decision making and and, and parent, you know, uh, opinions and player. Like if that conversation comes into play, if I have a player come to me tonight and say, "Coach," Why did he not get taken out, but I did? I would make this message very clear. We talk about you. I do not talk about other players yeah. with other players. That If you want to have a, a meeting, I'll have all of us in a meeting. I am as real and as honest as it gets. I will have a conversation with any player, any parent, any person. And you can agree to disagree. And I could be wrong and you could be right. But the reality is I've earned the right as the head coach to make the decision. And whether if, if I'm wrong and I get heat for it, I have to live with that. That's the responsibility that's on my shoulders. 
But at the same time, like the focus has to stay on you and your team. And it's kind of like we talked about with scouting, talked about with, with just like the viewing of all the teams. Like I think especially now in the age of social media, even coaches, parents, but players more than anything get so wrapped up in what everybody else is doing. And I, I make it very – I could care less what other teams do. I could care less what other coaches do. I could care – it doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't help my program. Yes, well, I learn from other coaches, learn from other teams, see what they do. Absolutely. But what they post on Instagram or what they tweet on X or what they do, and it doesn't matter to me. Like yeah. the focus needs to stay in the 15, 16 guys that are in our gym every single day. You got to block out the noise, both positively – and negatively the focus has to stay on you and on us and if every player buys into that idea that i'm going to focus on who i am my, my game what makes me good how do i help my team win but also make sure i put the team first when you have players that do that and coaches that do that that's how you win yeah and then hopefully you have some talent you know yeah. what i mean like you got that guys that too, right? basketball play defense you know but to me i've always been a believer if you don't have that that we versus me, that togetherness, that connection. I know I keep saying it over and over again. I've seen teams that are loaded with ability and talent that don't win because they're not together. They're not teams. They're individuals. And I've seen teams that aren't as good and aren't as talented, but, man, they play they play five on five as one. They are all one linked together. And in this sport, there's only one basketball. you got to be able to share and you got to be able to do it with each other. And if you do that, anybody can win. That's why the NCAA tournament, you have these teams that beat each other that you're like, how did that happen? Because that's the sport. It's a the game team. of matchup, yeah. a game of execution. And it's not always – you don't win on paper. And one of the things we've done this year in my first meeting is I have eliminated the word could and should. I'm so tired of hearing, oh, we could be this, or we should have won this game, or we could have done – who cares? We don't live on could have and should have. We live on who we are. And I said in my room, the first meeting we had, we are a zero and zero division two around in this classically basketball team right now. We shouldn't be anything. And we, there's nothing we could, it doesn't matter. You got to focus on where we are right now. Tonight, we have a big game against our crosstown rival against Cranston East in their gym. What we did yesterday when we won means nothing. What we're going to do a practice tomorrow means nothing. It's what we're going to do today. And our kids are buying into that. But it takes a special type of kid because some kids don't buy into that. Yeah. They, they they just kind of look through one practice. They look they overlook an opponent, and next thing you know, you you're down a point to a team that's two and fifteen, and you're like, "How did this happen?" Well, because you walked in the gym saying you should win instead of "Let's go win," and I think that's that's the mindset aspect that's very important, and it's a big responsibility as, for us as coaches. Yeah, no, that that that's great. That's 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 such a, it's it's funny because I'm I'm coaching coaching later today versus a team where I'm 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 pretty confident we should win, and I'm I'm thinking about all these things you just mentioned now, right? Yeah. About thinking that you should win versus like going out and winning. So no, I I, I love that, coach. That's awesome. Uh, to wrap up, coach, there's a couple questions I ask every guest, so I'll go ahead and start uh, with this first one here, which is uh, thinking back on your coaching career. What is a moment from your coaching career that you think uh, the listeners could learn from? Well, I mean, there's just, there's so many of them. There really are. Um, you know, one one day, and I'll make it a short, short story. One day that stands out to me more than any other in my coaching career. And uh, one of my assistant coaches, Josh Macera, who's my associate head coach. He's my right hand, left hand, left foot, right. He is the best assistant coach around. He's going to be a hell of a head coach when he makes a decision. I hope he doesn't do, which is move on from me. <laughs> Um, but he's he's been with me for my entire run at Cranston West, and I'd be 
lost without him. We had we were coaching JV and we were in a tournament. This is February 2020. This is right before COVID. And we are in the quarterfinals at an 8 a.m. game, 45 minutes away on a Sunday. I am up all night, just a complete disaster. I, I personally think I had COVID in that moment. Like it was around, we didn't know it. Whether it was COVID, the flu, it, I have never been so sick in my life. But because I'm crazy, I coach the game. And I used that's when we wore suits back in the day. I don't know if you still wear them. Uh, no, I've moved back past those days. But <laughs> One I, thing about I COVID is moving on from the suits. But in that moment, that's what I wore. But that day I wore a jumpsuit. I wore sweatpants. I'm like, I can't. I'm dying over here. Make a long story short, we win that game. Um, we beat East Greenwich, who we actually beat last night, a team that we hadn't beaten in years. We beat them in the quarterfinals by about three or four points. We sit out a couple hours. We go and play Boroughville in a final four-game semifinal, who we hadn't beaten in years. We beat them by two. We're going to the championship. We have like three hours off. Me and him go out to lunch. We're sitting at cellos. I'm literally laying down in the booth like a little kid, eating soup. I'm I'm taking meds. I'm doing everything I can to try to survive. I'm sweating. I'm dying. Yeah. We end up going to the championship, and we, we're up two and a half. We end up losing by six. It was a three-game day, and our players gave everything. We had a kid go head on the bleachers, went to the hospital, got stitches, came back to the finals to coach I'm playing. I'm like, you're not playing. Get out of here. You know what I mean? But that day and that group was just so connected. And that was where I felt as a coach how important it was that when you have a team that believes in each other, that plays together, that plays connected, you can accomplish anything. And it felt so good that day, as much as I felt terrible yeah. um, from a physical standpoint, you know, we, we kind of beat the teams that we hadn't beaten before. And what I learned that day is to trust the process. And we're right in the middle. Like being my second year now, we're trying to do things we didn't do last year. And there's going to be things next year I want to do that we didn't do this year. And I learned as a coach in that moment, driving home on the bus of just, you got to believe in yourself and you got to believe in the process of what you're doing and you're doing it right. And if you're giving everything you have and you're getting the kids to buy into each other, you're going to have a chance at this thing. You're going to at one of these. And it was such a special day because mm -hmm. it was a day where everything went right. As a coach, you're like, man, you draw up a play, it works. We get the stop. We call the timeout in the right spot. We hit the big shot, hit the big free throw. We end up losing the championship, like I said to it. I think the team went undefeated. They were phenomenal. Um, but it was just one of those days where it's like as a coach, you sit back and say, man, I've made it. We've done it. We're here after getting beat up after a couple of years. You know, first year we did it, we lost the first round by 30 points. And it was just that moment of believing yourself as a coach, believing the people you have around you, and trust the process that you're in and just let everything else fall into place. You can only control so much, but that day I will never, ever forget every minute of it. Cause I learned so much about me. I learned so much about my assistant coach. I learned so much <laughs> about my, I learned so much about just the journey that we're on as coaches and just uh, the, it was, it's a day where I look back and say, that's the reason I do what I do. Those days I'll never forget. And that's really what we're building. We're building relationships and memories. That's all it is when it comes to coaching. They're not going to remember who I am 100 years from now. They'll have 10 new coaches from Cranston West. I will be irrelevant, but I can always live with, with what we've done and what we've accomplished together. And I just think that's so important. Yeah, I mean, that's uh... – I, I just can't, I, I can't imagine. It's hard enough for me to coach when I, my nose is running a little bit or I have a little bit of a cough. I, I can't wow. imagine. Listen, I, I am a psych. I heard someone yesterday tell me, uh, I don't know, some, some coach was hurt or something. Someone had told me someone got injured and they, and they weren't coaching. I'm like, you would have to pull me out 
to miss a game. Like I'd have to be on my bed to a point where I can't even stand up. I'll coach in a wheelchair. I'll coach on a stool. I'll do whatever I have to do um, to get out there as, as tough as it is. But those are those days you got to battle through, you know, yeah. but that's when you just, when you love what you do and you love doing it with the people you're around, it, it becomes your whole life. And, yeah. you know, middle of our season, you know, we, we go to bed, we wake up thinking about the same stuff mm. and it's just, it's the day-to-day grind of it, but there's just, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. All the, all the bad days are all worth it for that. That senior night, you know, oh, when you, yeah. see, you see your kid for four years, you give him a hug and thank him for what he's done and their families. Those are the moments that you sit back and say, man, this is this is why you do it. And like Absolutely. I said, before, I just said that's one of those days. And then some of those days you go home and I'm, I know you feel it and you sit on your couch, you watch it and you're like, what the hell am I doing, man? Like, what, why, why are we doing this? Like, I don't, I don't make any money off of this. All the money I make <laughs> in the program anyway. Hey, you know what I got? I'm going to buy some new basketballs. I want to yeah. up in the gym. I want to do this. And next thing you know, I don't make any money off of it, but I do it because I love it. And those kids are my family and I love them to death. And I do anything for them. I wouldn't change anything. That's awesome, coach. To wrap up, I give every guest kind of what I call a, a 60 second soapbox, but I don't time you. So don't worry if you go longer than 60 <laughs> seconds, but I, I do that to kind of, let you have kind of a final thought, a final message about it, about anything basketball or coaching related that you wish, just kind of a closing thought or something that you want to leave the listeners with. And like I said, you can kind of take it in any direction. So uh, coach, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and open up the floor to you and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and let you take it from here. Well, the, I mean, the first thing I'd say is, is I, I thank you for, for not only having me, but thank you for what you're doing. I think it's awesome. I think this, you know, I got to listen to some of your podcasts too. When I, when I saw your Twitter uh, X, whatever it is now. And uh, I, I think it's so good. I mean, you know, from a coaching perspective, we try to use every single resource we can. I mean, I watch more videos, listen to more podcasts. I'm on YouTube constantly. I'm on Twitter constantly watching plays and sets and, like sometimes you get overblown with with um, with information, but I just I love the conversations about culture. I love the conversations about kids and relationships and and beyond basketball. Like as much as I love diving into the X's and O's, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it just gets so much. But when you have that just conversation of talking about just kids and what they mean to you and why you do it and the whole purpose of of what we do in our lives, I just think it's such it's so awesome hearing the stories from people that are in the same roles as, as you and I are in. And, you know, sometimes you feel very lonely as a coach. There's those nights where you just go home and, you know, you lose a game, you don't play well, you know, you, you start hearing the words in the crowd, you start hearing some negative thoughts and, and you sit back and you feel like you're the only person in the world. Um, but then you have those days where you battle through it and you understand other coaches like you, you and I talking today about things that we, we see and what we think about and how we're so connected when it comes to that. Uh, um, to that dialogue that it's just incredible how many of us there are out there. And, you know, we're not alone in this world. There's a lot of our coaches that are sitting there at their desk at 10, 11 o'clock at night on a Friday night after a big game and are questioning things and questioning who we are. But I just think the coaching world in general is is so important and it matters so much. Um, and I just think we need to keep good people in the industry as best we can. Unfortunately, we've just seen so many people get drowned out from negativity or from parents, administration or whatever it is. And it, it's sad. Um, and some people it's deserved, some it's not. Mm-hmm. But I think as coaches, we we have to realize that what our responsibility is and, and the best job that we can do for our players and just keep the focus on the stuff that matters. You know, keep the focus on, on your players, on your families, on your experience. Like I said, I could care less what anybody else does 
things that I just like my job, I spend too much time to worry about what other people do and what other schools Amen. do. I do what I think is best for my school. And it might work for us and not work for someone else. You know, and they say, oh, you're crazy. You do that stuff well, because my kids love it. And my kids want to do it. I do it for them. And there's things other schools do that I say, man, that's pretty cool. But eh, I don't think it's going to work for us. Like just keeping the focus on, on who you are, be the best person that you could be, be respectful, but play with passion, energy. Like I said, if you see me coach, I'm, I'm out of my mind, but I do it because there's nothing better than watching a kid get better and succeed. Like, and I'm sure, you know, like you get that bottom end bench kid who's been in the program three or four years, good kid works so hard, you know, and you get him in at the end of the game and he scores a basket or he takes a charge or he executes oh, yeah. something. There's no better feeling in the world. And, you know, some people take it as like, you know, you know, you're up 25 points and there's 30 seconds left and my kid buries a three. Damn right. I'm going to be losing my mind for that kid because I've watched that kid go to practice in games and sacrifice every single day to get that moment. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the other team, but there's no one who's going to cheer on their players more than me. And I think every coach should be that because you've invested time and life into these people, into these kids to see them in these moments. And there's nothing better than that, win or lose, if you're holding a trophy. Only one team can win. And I don't know, 50 <laughs> schools in, in the state of Rhode Island, I'm sure, like we're, we're so small. But, like, there's going to be 49 teams that I guess are going to be pretty disappointed. But if you're judging success or failure based on if you're taking a trophy home, then then I guess we're all going to fail because oh, yeah. all 1% of the people are going to win. Uh -huh. You've got to judge it based on the growth of your program. And I say it every year. If, if a kid graduates and comes up to me and says, I enjoyed playing basketball at Cranston West and I love being here, then we've done a good job. That is a championship, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> in and of itself, do you know, to have that. No, that's that's awesome. Now, if he um, says that with, with a ring on, it's hey, going to feel good. Hey, no, that's, oof, that, that, wouldn't <laughs> that be that much better? Yeah, a little jewelry with him, right? <laughs> that's a matter. That, that's Coach, the stuff that I take home with it. So. Yeah, Coach Weenie, this this has been phenomenal. I really appreciate you being able to you. spend some time talking about uh, just basketball, your program, the mental side, and working with players, keeping them mentally sharp and focused. It, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's been rejuvenating to me as, as I think about the game I got to coach later. I know you got one later as well. So, so yeah. this is, this was great. And personally for me to, for, to hype me up as well. And then I know the, the listeners enjoyed it as well. So best of luck tonight, coach, best of luck going forward and, and, and keep doing what you're doing. You're doing such a great job. Thank you. Thank you, coach. Keep going with everything you're doing with the podcast. I love it. I'll be listening. Not only this one, but moving on. You got a new a new supporter and follower, and I can't wait to promote you and what you're doing. Good luck tonight. Let's get two dubs, all right? All right. Love it. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.